0: This is the point where people have already stopped listening.
1: It's kind of like a reverse mullet. Party in the front, business in the back. This is FounderQuest.
2: So Ben's joining us today from his car. It's bringing back fond memories. I recorded, I think, the voiceover for our very first like demo video in my car.
0: Oh, yeah. Nice. My office, so as you may recall, I have a two-story building that I lease one of the rooms. And the downstairs is a uh, wine tasting room. Well, with the pandemic, the company that had the wine tasting room, they closed shop. They stopped leasing because, I mean, who's going to go to a wine tasting room during a pandemic, right? Well, they're leasing the space to a new tenant. It's going to take that space. So apparently, hey, we're getting back. Things are reopening. Let's, let's taste wine again. But the new tenant wants to have a new door put in. Mm-hmm. So I got to the office today and they're like, yeah, we're putting in a new door. And then I'm like, cool. Didn't even think much of it, you know. But then like a few minutes later, you know, there's all this drilling. It's like going. I'm like, uh, oh, I think probably the car is a better place to record mm-hmm. today.
1: <laughs> well, at least you'll have some new friends soon.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it at least. So like, what's up when I was, I missed a week of the podcast and you guys invested our entire honey badger savings account into Bitcoin. Yeah. And so I'm not sure that was the most prudent investment decision. Y'all. I just wanted to say that.
0: Yeah. The timing could have been better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. We really pulled a Rome research on that one.
2: Oh yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: They invested, they invest in Bitcoin apparently.
2: Oh, they do. Okay. Of course they do. Of course. I mean, I mean, it's just a dip. You're supposed to buy the dip, Josh. <laughs> it's just what, like a, a 30% dip, 40% dip.
1: I think it, I don't didn't, I wasn't watching it, but I read that it had recovered pretty quickly too. Like, as it does
2: follow it. I don't even follow it.
1: Yeah. I just read random people's opinions. I, I forget where we left it last week, but I just wanted to state for the record that I, I think I mentioned I made some accidental money in Bitcoin back when I was learning about blockchain technology. I have not bought any Bitcoin since, nor do I intend to, and I do not I do not really view it as an investment asset.
2: Like this is not. Investment <laughs> for, I'm just going
1: I just need to like state my opinions for the future, so I can look back on them with regret. If I don't like, you know, say what I actually think, I'm never gonna have anything to regret, so.
2: So you've decided to die on this no intrinsic value <laughs> hill. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'll let you know if I change my mind.
2: Okay, that's fine. Last week y'all did the interview with with Mike, right? Yeah, yeah. it was good, it
1: was a good conversation. conversation.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't really pay attention to it, except occasionally I like look at the chart. It's the same with GameStop. Occasionally I'll, I'll look at the GameStop chart and then like just see what wild stuff people are saying about it. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, GameStop was hovering at about one hundred and fifty for a while, but now it's up to like one hundred and seventy-ish, eighty, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I peek at it every now. It's on my watch list when I log into my oh, brokerage yeah? account, so I just see it and like, oh, okay, cool. And then I move on and check out my my real actual stock portfolio. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> buy it.
0: It's
1: just like, I, yeah. I, It's like a TV show kind of for me. Yeah. I'm just totally. Yeah. <laughs> I. To be fair i have like i really don't have much of an opinion like like either way it's just i i still don't understand it so i i don't know i just feel like i probably shouldn't be buying it
2: that's probably good advice
0: yeah um,
2: i don't understand anything though so what am i supposed to do, Josh? <laughs> <Right>. huh
0: yeah <laughs> let's just buy the index fund
2: <laughs> yeah i don't even i don't
1: anything. understand that either though <laughs> if you really think about it <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, there was a good thread or
0: so on Twitter, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but basically the idea was like, if you feel really confident in your own abilities and your own business, given that, you're probably spending most of your time in that business, right? Like we you know, spend most of our creative time in Honey Badger because that's where we feel the most potential is. So you're investing basically all of your personal capital in this one business. How do you diversify that risk? Or do you diversify the risk? Do you double mm-hmm. down, right? Do you, maybe do you take investment to diversify? And so, you, you know, you you buy out, let someone, you know, do a secondary, yeah. right? And so you take some cash off the table. If you did that, then where would you put the money, right? Do you just go, okay, I'm going to go buy Bitcoin or I'm going to go buy an index fund or whatever. And if you do that, is that a better use of your money than having just kept the equity and just plowing more time into your business? Yeah. It's an interesting uh, thought exercise. It's like, hmm the 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 whole investment mindset of your business is is interesting to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. I think I saw that conversation or or maybe I saw a similar conversation where they were talking about like even just like a 401k's and for founders like who are already like fairly, you know, like have at least made it in whatever sense that means, is it is it the best financial move to like keep, you know, maxing out your 401k versus like investing in your ability to generate revenue? Uh, in your business. I
2: mean, so a little bit of real talk here. If you are a founder who's made it maxing out your 401k, it's not a big, really a
1: blip. Yeah. That's, radar. that was kind of like the same thought I had. It's like, well, that's not like you're, you're putting like, like 50% of your income into it.
2: Yeah. What is it like 20 grand? Something yeah. Like that. It's like a chunk of change, but still it's not like, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I'm just going to go all in on pogs. I think, <laughs> come back. I think that's going to be how I diversify.
1: But I think it's probably a good move to invest in yourself. If you're if you have the ability to like build businesses like that definitely seems like it's a good investment. In any case, probably still have a 401k is I mean, like I, I tend to do everything, but except Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, the 401k is a nice backstop. Like you just keep stocking money away and like, you know, later it'll be there hopefully. But in the meantime, like really, really spend your, your time and your energy on making your, your business even more profitable, right? Speaking of making your business more profitable. So this past week or two weeks, I've been working on our SOC 2 type 2 audit so, I'm doing the evidence collection. So, that in this case means I take a bunch of screenshots of settings like in the AWS console and G Suite console to show, yeah, we have users and yes, we have, you know, login restrictions and et cetera. All the, all the 150 different things that you're supposed to check off the list when you do the audit. And as I've been going through this process, like, Taking all these screenshots, honestly, is getting a bit tedious and is surprisingly time-consuming. And so I'm like, you know, there are services for this sort of thing. Let me check them out. And so in the past three days, I've had conversations with Vanta, SecureFrame, and Drata. These are three providers that what they do is they provide almost kind of SOC two in a box. Basically, they help you connect all of your systems and get the evidence that you need for an auditor in a more automated fashion. So, for example, they'll plug into your AWS account and they'll pull out information about your, you know, security groups, your web application firewall, your AI, AIM, you know, all the all the access permissions, all that kind of stuff, and and pack that up into a nice little format that the auditor can then look at and like, yep, they're good on all these different requirements, right? So you don't have to take screenshots of security groups kind of thing. And uh, I hadn't really looked at them before because uh, i well, so it's like, I don't know if I just want to spend the kind of money, but actually sitting back and looking at it, it's like looking at the time that I'm spending on this and the amount of time I'm paying our auditors to audit all these screenshots that I'm taking. Actually, I think it would be cheaper to go with one of these services and you know have the, because you your audit is a bit more streamlined, right? Because the auditor knows how that and that is going to come in and it's it's easy format to digest, et cetera. And, but the thing is that after having gone through some of the sales pitches from these, vendors, I'm thinking, I really wish I would have started with these back the first time because I think it would have been much easier just from the get-go. So I think I've been I've been doing the SOC compliance on hard mode, unfortunately, but you know, lessons learned.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, with my experience, like that just seems to be how projects are. Like (laughs) you do it one time and you don't really know what you're doing and you just kind of like push your way through it. And then eventually you figure out how to do it better and easier and and all that, because when something's new to you, you don't know what's what you can safely ignore. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Well, plus you're you're pumping up the value of Founder Quest. Oh,
2: that's true. We got you a know? lot of content out of that. That's true.
1: Yeah, at that's, least that's a hundred dollars worth. That's useful <laughs> knowledge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think I think the short version is: if you are interested in doing SOC two compliance and you have no idea what you're doing talk to these vendors first. Maybe just start with them. They will help you because they have, you know, like customer success people like a SaaS does, right? You have, they have people on staff who are there to help you have success with their product, right? And if you don't get compliant, then you're going to stop using their product, right? So they're going to help you try and get there. And it's still pricey. It's still going to be, you know, five figures a year, but it'll save you, definitely save you some time and maybe even save you some money. Nice. Yeah. So next year, our audit should just be smooth as silk. Just butter.
1: Love it. <laughs> what are you going to do with all that extra all that extra free time? I made an executive decision.
0: Oh really? What the Yes. That? The executive decision is we're going to have more teamwork
1: at Honey Badger.
2: That's uh, ironic.
1: <laughs> Instead of what 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 we have now which is like anarchy.
0: We pretty much do have anarchy, I think. Well, I mean, we are coordinated. We do make our plans. And right. We do have things we want to get done. But yeah, we are very independent. I imagine mm-hmm. we work independently. You might even say we're kind of siloed. We go off in the corner and do our own thing for most of the time. And I was chatting with Kevin about this, and I think we're going to try an experiment. So I think we're going to try to actually work together on a project, like at the same time.
2: Kevin is our developer. Yeah, so you're going to be developing features together. Like, are you going to pair program? Oh, whoa, cool? whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Slow down there, Sparty. Are you going to mob program? Pair programming, that's that's maybe too advanced for us, I think. Maybe actually we'll, <laughs> we'll chat in Slack a little bit here and there and, you know, maybe have a Zoom call.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so you're talking about you're both going to work on the same project at the same time, mostly independently, but Must, coordinating. Yeah, still, yeah. Right, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that still can fit into our anarchy model.
2: Yeah, it still seems so a little bit
1: kind of yeah, it's more like mutual aid maybe. or something.
2: Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> we should like, make a talk a conference talk uh, about, uh mutual aid development. Right. <laughs> that would go over well.
0: Like using using NATO as a model for your development process. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. Like I think I've been feeling a little lonely. I don't know if it's is the right word, but maybe just kind of off doing my own thing. I was like, oh, I think it'll be nice to have some collaboration, some coordination. Maybe we'll even get to the level of synergies. You know, we'll have oh, some real
1: Synergizing. That's, yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a blast from the past.
0: <laughs> maybe it's all these sales calls I've been doing. Yeah,
1: I think it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, so more to come on that. We'll keep you posted. It's it's a bigger, kind of a bigger project. You may not have results for a couple months. Don't yeah. They really want to spill the beans on what it is right now. Oh you know, competitive information. Don't want to leak it to all our competitors. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's gonna keep people on the hook for the next episodes. <laughs>
1: totally. yeah. But yeah, that's that was my week. Yeah. Well, my week I I didn't I took some time off, had some family stuff going on, so I did, was not very productive this week. But I did, I, what I did work on was I've been working on this little guide for uh, hook relay, trying to get some, I'd love to get the marketing machine, you know, the flywheel going on that at least so we can be moving that along with everything else. And so yeah, working on some content and what is hook relay? Well, you tell them, tell us what hook relay has been. It's your, it's your baby. My
0: baby. Yeah. So hook relay is tool for managing webhooks. So you can record webhooks as they come in or creatively as they go out. Like in our case, at Honey Badger, we send a lot of webhooks. And so we built Hooker. They help track all that webhook action. Mm-hmm. So we log those payloads so we can go and diagnose issues that are happening or maybe replay them as necessary. And of course, it also handles inbound webhooks. So if you're handling, let's say, a, a post-payload request from GitHub, about some activity that happens in your GitHub account, you handle that webhook, and we can have give you a place to store that, and then you can, you know, replay that, send it forward on to server yeah. if you want, or just where you store it.
1: I think one of my favorite things about Hook Relay is just the visibility that it gives us into like what's happening with the hooks, because otherwise, like we never had like a dashboard. I mean, I guess we could have built one internally to see like what the activity was and you know it, what's failing, what's actually you know what requests are because you're connecting to like thousands of different people's random domain, you know, URLs basically. And it's really nice even for like debugging and things like troubleshooting to be able to see what's see what's going on in addition to all the other cool things that it gives you out of the box.
2: Yeah. So it's like you might say it's even like turnkey reliability and visibility for mm-hmm. webhooks for all your webhook needs.
1: Yeah. We kind of modeled it on Stripe's I'm, webhooks because we love I'm holding
2: a box up. I'm holding the <laughs> Turbolinks box. All right.
1: And yeah.
2: <laughs> at it with my hand. We should a white we though. should
1: do a like our own yeah channel, <laughs> like do our own infomercials.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I really wanted the experience of Stripe. Like mm-hmm. if you if you set up webhooks in Stripe, you can go and you can see all the webhooks they've sent you. You can see the payloads. You can see whether they were successfully delivered or not. And I wanted that experience for our own webhooks, and also I thought it would be cool, like if developers could just have that, right, without having to build the infrastructure. And so, if you're uh, if you're building an app that sends a bunch of webhooks on behalf of your customers, well, now you can give your customers visibility into that webhook activity without having to build that tracking yourself. Well.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so basically, like this this content guide I'm working on is is like how to build webhooks into your application including like all the reliability and stuff that like hook relay gives you for free and you know the idea is that like if that's what you're doing and you just want to save some time hook relay will you know be a large chunk of that you just gotta sign up so i think it'll it'll be useful to everyone even if they're not you know they don't become a customer if if you're going to build like your own back end and build you know handle all the retries, build dashboards, and all that. But if you want it all turnkey, then Hook Relay is like a big chunk of that work just done for you.
2: Is this live? So people can people go and sign up now? Like, Hook Relay, yes, it is.
1: Yeah. Hook Relay.dev.
0: Yeah. In fact, we have enough customers now that it's actually paying for itself. What?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So sweet. It's wild. That's wild.
2: That's amazing.
0: So Josh, is your guide going to have like are you going to dive deep into the architecture of here's how you build a whole whip hook system and so we're going to like show you all the stuff behind the curtain so you can build your own and then oh by the way if you want it just done for you here it is or are you going to just keep it more high level
1: i'm starting high level and yeah i I was planning on it being more high level just kind of like like a more like a high level like architecture thing or, or specification like this is these are the parts that you need to build but you'll, you know, you, you're going to have to solve some things because it's not specific. It's not going to be, be like specific to like one system. It's not going to be like, this is how you build webhooks for like Ruby and sidekick, or if you're going serverless, like it'll have suggestions on stacks or technologies to use for like the end, for instance. But yeah, I was thinking of leaving that to the, to the user to figure out, but kind of just like showing the part, the things you need to think about that a lot of people don't, Think about until they encounter like, you know, the problems that might arise, like, yeah. Retrying and all the error handling that you add later <laughs> and, and uh validation, you know, for security, for security reasons and things. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is giving to flashbacks to like a whole like two or three year process. Like after we first launched. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, Oh crap. There's an edge case here that we didn't think of because, yeah because we're not used to doing webhooks at this scale and Mm -hmm. that just went on for like three years
1: (laughs) yeah that's i think it's it's kind of nice like having the two products because this is actually because like hook relay kind of like came out of honey badger and it's like you know it's basically part of our webhook system like this is basically just documenting like honey badgers webhooks uh system for other people who might want to like replicate that or or whatever
0: yeah totally yeah i I think that that'll be cool. A uh, great piece of content, a great piece of, you know, SEO juice. And if you did decide to go deep into the technical side, like if you explain the entire infrastructure that we're building, that would actually be kind of cool too. Cause like you could maintain your technical documentation for the system, like internally, and use it as a piece of content for marketing. Like
1: mm-hmm. that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I was thinking like just because I want to get something out there. I mean, like the main, I mean, I'm thinking this is going to be like, you know, it'll help with uh, with both like having a resource for people who are already on the site, like to see like, this is basically how you will implement this. It's like kind of like an implementation guide, really. But then also SEO, it should, it should help get us in more search, search results. So yeah. and I also want to credit Ben Ornstein and Tuple. They have a great, a pair programming guide, which was kind of a inspiration for, for this idea. I just really like the format that they used. And I just think it's a great idea. Like if you have a product that's like highly targeted or focused on like how to, you know, on one specific thing and doing it really well, I think it's a great, maybe even a great alternative to a blog, for instance, like you can kind of get some of the same benefits of having a blog, but without like actually having to like create a, you know, like a blog, like a blog with a lot of different variety of topics and things.
0: Speaking of the blog, I was talking to to Harris, our sales guru, about our blog strategy. And I said, yeah, it's basically like a flypaper strategy. It's like, we want it to be super sticky and attract all the great developers. They come and see the content, and they love it, and they're like, oh, let me check out this Honey Badger thing. <laughs> Not particularly novel, but I, I, I mm-hmm. like the, the flypaper idea. <laughs> want them to stick.
2: Yeah, that's a good metaphor, and also, like you know, for a long time, I kind of poo-pooed SEO because in my mind, SEO was like very scammy. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like I learned about SEO in the days of like link farming and all that. And I just didn't want to be involved in that. I was like, we're just going to put out good content and that'll be enough. And, you know, it is, yes, but also like I've, I've looked at some metrics since then that make it clear that, you know, the majority of, good things that happen because of our blog actually are people entering through search queries. It's not like that, that really outweighs people like sharing articles and and doing stuff like that, which I guess is kind of obvious that it would be that way. But my own, I guess, bias against, you know, search kind of just made me not see that for a while. So yeah, so maybe trying to pick some some possible low hanging fruit. I mean, we haven't we've we've tried to make our site like search engine friendly, but we haven't really done any like explicit SEO type you yeah. know activities.
1: Yeah, I went through recently through our documentation and kind of just tweaked just small things on a bunch of pages like headlines and some of the meta tags and stuff, but mostly like headlines and content on page was what I was focusing on. I wasn't using any particular tool to like measure before and after results, but I it does seem like it bumped us up in some of the some of the results for just general like like people searching for more general terms like like Ruby error tracking, for example, which are typically pretty competitive terms. But we actually, I think we we rank pretty well for some of those t- terms uh, these days. I think we've been around enough, and we're one of the one of the options that come up. So it does seem like yeah, you if you actually target the terms, it it actually uh, does what they say it does, which is good to know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You just got to pay attention to it.
0: So the moral of the story is there is some value in SEO.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think (laughs) documentation uh, sites, like your documentation is a great, I think it's a great like place to optimize SEO because like a lot of times, especially for those, maybe not for like the, like the long tail and like searches, like a blog is great for that. Like what you were talking about with the flypaper, Ben, but for people who are like actually searching for what you do, I think like a lot of times like documentation pops up. And like first in a lot of cases when I'm searching for things and yeah, so that's don't overlook it like we did.
2: Yeah. Well, this week, I, I guess the main thing I did was I got our authors lined out for the next quarter of intelligence briefings. So if you haven't <laughs> been playing along at home, we're having some intelligence briefings created basically everything that's going on in a certain language community for the quarter. And uh, this grew out of Josh's need because he deals a lot with our, he's basically in charge of our client libraries and we have libraries in a variety of languages. So we wanted to, and and sort of keeping up with those languages and what's going on is a real pain in the ass. So we are going to make these guides originally for him, but then also we're like, this would be really great content to publish. And uh, I've already got like this, you know, system with authors who want to, write about programming languages and so you know let's see if we can make some authors like make these summaries and so far yeah i'm pretty happy we had four or five of them created and and we're not publishing them because they were for a previous quarter and we're this was just kind of like a trial run to see if the results were going to be okay And I think they were like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think the results were pretty good. We got some feedback from you too. And I sort of updated my process and updated the template that all the authors are using. And so we should be getting round two done. Hopefully people will be able to like, I'm setting the deadline like a week after the end of the quarter. My hope is, you know, if they get them to me then, you know, then I'll have like a week to get them up on our blog or wherever. And then they won't be too out of date by the time people see them.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I'm excited to see the the next batch. My favorite thing from the reports were, were the ones that where they kind of like wrote some original content, like summarizing things or or sections or whatever. Like it was really, that was like super useful because you can kind of just like, there's a little bit of a story element to it that's specific to the quarter or whatever that you don't really get from just like, if you just aggregate like everything like all the the weekly newsletters and what happened on Reddit and what was what happened on Twitter, like if you just like dump that all in a in a document, it's really it's yeah it's a, it's a bit of overload. So it's nice to have the the summary and like this the story of like what the community was interested in and here oh, are some yeah. articles Definitely. that they talked about.
2: Like that's yeah, that's the whole idea is to have somebody who knows the who knows the community kind of explain to you what's going on. As opposed to just, yeah, just like if I wanted a bunch of links, I could just like write a little script to scrape links from places and it wouldn't be very useful. What's useful is having people who know the who know the, the environment be like, hey, this is what's going on. This is why it's important. And yeah, so that's going to yeah. be something I guess I need to look for explicitly when I get this round of things of reports back.
1: Yeah, I have to that, start calling that, them like secret agents or or something, or oh, instead yeah. of authors or or like detectives, operatives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, detective service, investigators.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that having that that analysis of why this news is important or why these things are important that I you know that they've collected is is really handy because you, you know the links are great. Like you said, like I could just write a script to collect them, but having someone with that context in the community saying, okay, and it's important because. And this is why you, p- you should pay attention. I and mean, I think that's really yeah. helpful to someone who's maybe not as deep into that every day. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. And also knowing what to what to surface because there, there was like one report that like just did really, it really seemed to like just dump every single like link or article that was, was discussed or was, you know, was in a, a newsletter or whatever. And I think it's more helpful if like, if it's on a quarterly level, like if you know, like what, what is actually like the important things that you You really want to know about, and yeah, yeah. that's
2: true. I just made a note for myself to go back and explicitly just kind of mention that to people because I didn't. I realized I didn't put it in the instructions anywhere. but like I I put, you know, I put like here's where a description of the content goes. I didn't really put what I want inside that description. I realized so. So I'm gonna do that.
0: We're
1: iterating in real time here.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is is where the work gets done.
1: Well, and pretty soon we'll have some we'll have hopefully some good examples that we can show future authors or detectives or oh, whatever we're calling them.
2: Definitely. I mean, I'm going to call them authors because they're already like in the blog system is authors. And like, it just seems like I, agents, I don't know. I got to be able to talk to these people with a straight face.
0: You can call them research specialists, but then you might have to pay them more.
2: I don't know. I think I'm paying pretty well, honestly. <laughs> like, I think I'm paying pretty well for looking at, you know, I don't know how much it's like, how many weeks is a quarter, 12, 12 weeks of newsletters and just telling me what's going on. I think I'm paying pretty well.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, but, you don't need to talk to them with a straight face though. You need to talk to them with like sunglasses on, smoking a cigarette oh, in a diner, right, yeah. like, in, or, you know, like <laughs> a dive bar smiling. somewhere. Those okay.
2: Smiling. <laughs> oh, that's right. I can do that. I just realized that it's two weeks since my second vaccine. So... I'm ready to go out and uh, recruit. Ready to party. Yeah. (laughs) I'm very anxious about being with people in public now, but that's not a a topic for this conversation.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We'll ease back into it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have dinner with my sister-in-law on on saturday and i'm just like okay star you can do this you can do this yeah and i guess the other thing that that we did this week is we are doing a trial run of twist as a, a replacement for base camp messages the message board on base camp and yeah so basically the the long and short of it is the whole like base camp bs just kind of left a bad taste in in my mouth in particular i think in you alls mouth a little bit and or maybe you're neutral i don't care or, that sounded really harsh.
0: You, could, you well, can be honest with us. Star. Yeah. We could take it.
2: No, I didn't mean to sound that harsh. I just mean like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to put my opinions onto you. Is what I'm saying. But I just felt kind of gross using Basecamp. Also, like, you know, if I'm being honest, I never really enjoyed Basecamp as a product. Like it's got a couple things that just really rubbed me the wrong way.
1: We, we um, were kind of talking of like, we were having some vague conversations in the past, like, you know we've we have posed like do we really want to keep this part of you know what we're using basecamp for so and we were already using like a subset of it so yeah, yeah it wasn't totally um, out of the blue
2: yeah and we don't even u- we weren't even using like i don't know we were using maybe 20% of basecamp mm-hmm. just the message boards feature so and um, the
1: check-ins which apparently check-ins, we all which we like
2: <laughs> but we all kept using for some reason Ben's was <laughs> yeah, like can i turn off the check-ins and i'm like I thought you were the only reason we were doing the check-ins. It's because I thought you liked
0: that. I think I was the only reason we were doing the check-ins. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because I had because I remember when I started, it, I was like, yeah, I really don't know what's going on because back to that siloed, independent, off in the corner thing. Like, I like I, yeah. it'd be nice to know what people are doing, right? But, but yeah, lately I've been like, hey, this is just a drag. So I'm like, does anybody Every, really? Yeah. Would anybody just, be upset if this went away? And everyone's like, please
1: take it away. Everyone it is on. just like, like just. <laughs> Passively aggressively answering answering them. Yeah. And no, it wasn't used that. It, and no one. It wasn't no one that bad. But I'm like, yeah. Okay, I I mean, Kevin it. used Kevin used them too, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway. I finally,
0: I finally, you know, gave everyone permission to tell me that it was not okay, and and now we don't no longer do. It.
2: There you go. <laughs> and we're just like, while we're at it, just ditch base camp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah. So we've been trying a new system called Twist. Twist is. Essentially, it's uh, it's like threaded discussions, right? It's I figured this out on my own. I'm very proud of myself. So you have threads, you have lots of threads, and you twist them together to make like yarn or something, some sort of textile. So beautiful sweater. That's why it's called twists. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a beautiful sweater, tapestry that is, Honey Badger. (laughs) And so far, we, I mean, I've really been enjoying it. I find the UI to be a lot better. Like, there's been there was one bug that we found that I reported, so hopefully that'll get fixed and. Per, like, it doesn't really bother me that much. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing sometimes how the UI of an application can just be like, oh, ah, I'm having to like parse less information just to do my task.
1: It's much nicer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It does feel like a lot less
0: friction for our use case.
1: Yep. Well, we talked about that, just the the structure, it, like the structure, the way that you structure, like conversation and organize things in a product like a um, management tool like that makes a big difference. And in Basecamp, like would create Basecamp, like Basecamps or whatever they call them Basecamps, right? Like they're the projects. Um,
2: projects? We'd create different ones, different
1: projects for each project. But then like there's five of us. So we'd we'd basically just add everyone to every single project that is in there. But all the conversation is kind of, you know, like siloed off in each project. And uh, with with twist, like it kind of it, it's just much more of a uh, like fluid, like how it uses what like channels, but yeah, there's like a I don't know, it just seems like it's all together. It's more like it's kind of like a combination of like like Slack and a threaded like message board or something to me. Yeah,
2: something or like yeah. Slack and email or something. Slack and
1: email, yeah, it's kind of it's a nice um, it's a nice combo.
2: Yeah, it has an inbox which I like, where it shows you any unread messages. Mm -hmm. And so you can just easily just go and scan through them and it's all on the same page. Like it's a single page application. So you don't have to, you don't have to like click out to a completely new page and then come back to the inbox and, and do all that. And like, like Basecamp had a similar feature, but it was like, it's like a timeline and it had a line down the middle of the screen and then like branches coming off of either side of it. And for some reason, like, like I went to, like, I started using the, the inbox in twist and it was just like, oh, this is so much better. Like I don't have to let for some reason I think like having things on different sides of the screen just like I don't know, doubled the amount of sort of background processing my brain had to do to put it all together. And yeah, so it's I, I don't know. I, I do like it. Also, it's got markdown.
1: The markdown editor is so nice. It reminds me a lot of just using like, like the editor on GitHub with like with the markdown mode and preview and even like dragging, you can drag and drop images into the, I don't know if you knew that, into the Markdown editor like you can on GitHub and it automatically oh, yeah. inserts the the image tag and uploads it for you.
2: Uh, yeah, it's all really slick. So yeah. I don't know. I imagine in maybe another, like I've got vacation next week. So maybe after that, like we'll all get together and compare notes. But I don't know. It seems like people like it so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. If I had to decide a day, it's a keeper for me. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would go ahead and switch.
0: Oh um, yeah, me too. It's interesting to me, like uh, you, you alluded to the stars. You were talking about comparing it to your products and how they approach. It. It's interesting to me the UI, how how much, even if it's the same kind of functionality, how much you know different takes on the user experience can make a different experience for the user, right? Like how it just feels different. It's like oh yeah, it's basically doing the same thing, but. It just feels better for you know whatever like my mentality or my or our business or you know you fill in the blank there right but yeah I thought about that as many times like honey badger versus competitors it's like yeah they're doing basically the same thing but we do have differences in how we approach the UI and like different use patterns that we think are more emphasized by our UI versus the others and and sometimes it's just a matter of personal preference right it's like oh this just feels better to me like when I I Tried Python before I tried Ruby, and like Python's like, oh, that's interesting. But then Ruby really clicked my brain. It's like, oh, it just feels better, right? And I'm sure other people have the opposite experience. But it's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of weird to me, and kind of fun to think about the human part of these products. That yeah, they're basically doing the same thing, but it just feels right for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, and and surprising how like the strong opinions that people pick up just based on those experience things when they're basically the same, they're doing, the, if they're doing the same thing, some people get really, they either love it or hate it, you know, and based on, on that. So. It's yeah, yes. yeah,
2: that's true. And maybe it all goes back to like, maybe it all goes back to like whatever, like business apps you used in childhood.
0: <laughs>
2: it's just like, you know, whatever, whatever your mom may you do. It's like, a- life, just, you're always going to love that.
1: Yeah. It's like a nurture thing, (laughs) nature versus nurture. (laughs) You were exposed to these apps when you were young, and so it's just what you're drawn to. Yeah,
2: I remember putting my little friends' like (laughs) contact details into Lotus Notes. (laughs) Right.
1: I had to do some. I had to program Lotus Notes. (laughs) I got my first dev job because I knew Lotus Notes. (laughs) Lotus Notes was important for us to know at the time. I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Was the bomb. Could do some pretty serious uh, stuff.
2: Yeah. I kept having these jobs that weren't technically dev jobs, but ended up being dev jobs just because I knew how to like write like the basic macros for Excel. Do you know I'm sure a lot of people had that experience.
1: (laughs) The thing I remember doing in Lotus Notes was like setting it up to ingest email like from the outside, you know, from the outside world into this whatever the system. And thinking about it now, it's like that's been like that project. (laughs) I've done over and over and over since then. And I'm like still it's doing camp. that project it's like, all
2: over again. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> if only there was a service that
0: like took in emails for you and then you could just bring them into your app.
1: <laughs> I bet in like 20 years, we'll be writing programs to accept email <laughs> process emails. Yeah, Yeah.
2: When is this stuff going away?
1: Well, <laughs> like technology yeah.
2: changes all the time. When is email going away? Like they've been killing it for years. It's like freaking Rasputin. Like
0: when's it going away? <laughs> it's the cockroach of protocols. There you go.
1: I mean like after the singularity, they'll still have to like have a way to like import it directly into your consciousness. So, and uh yeah, I don't know, we'll still be still yeah, be building yeah, those examp
2: is really good then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it was great talking with y'all. So, this has been FounderQuest. And go to the Apple podcast, interview us if you want. If you're interested in writing for us, we are always looking for fresh, new talent, young authors looking to make their mark on the world of technical blog posts for SaaS companies. And yeah, just go to our blog and look for the Write for Us page. And, you know, we're also, I don't know, like, I don't currently have any openings, but I, who knows, like people, people flake out. So if you're interested in writing these reports for us to get in touch, these uh, sort of quarterly intelligence briefings, if you want to be an agent for our intelligence service. All right. So I'll see y'all later.
1: FounderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Ani Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at HoneyBadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to FounderQuestPodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.